You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Little fellow... You must have given up the hope of living. Uh Uh-uh. On the contrary, I do not let the word death bother me. Same here, baby. Then what are you waiting for? Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here with Ken and Jeff, and today is a new day because we've brought back what, Jeff? Our game of death. Our game of death. We're excited to talk to our competitor and our host, but uh, we're getting ready here by doing some push-ups, right, Ken? Not not this morning. Not me. this morning for you? I believe Too I early. did push-up. I'm more of an afternoon-evening kind of push-ups kind of guy. I think that's what that song, Afternoon Delight, is about. Push-ups? It's about push-ups. <laughs> that's why they're so sweaty. I think so. Yeah, and you have your nice box of water here. You're staying hydrated. Yep. It's just water. It's not milk, guys. It looks like I'm drinking out of a carton of milk, but it's just water. Well, the consistency was a little thicker than I would have liked. <laughs> well, but... it's thick water. Oh, okay. It's that new water, the yes, thick water. it's all deuterium. It's, it's twice as thick. That's one Matt Damon promotes and he brings around the world, right? The thick water? Because <laughs> yeah. it'll make you T-H-I-C-C? <laughs> yep. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, they're always trying to sell me this thing called mud water on Facebook, so maybe that's what I'm drinking over oh. here. I don't know what it is. It's some kind of protein. I kind of want to try it. I kind of yeah. want to try it. They say it tastes like chai, though, and I don't like chai, but I still want to mm. try it because it kind of looks good. It does not look okay. That's the whole point of it. Is it doesn't look good. I think we can all agree, <laughs> though, is when it, when it comes to chai, chai McBride is a national treasure. So I think chai, chai McBride is the best chai. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you should carry that at your conglomerate, uh, Matt, a chai McBride latte. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm sure someone on TikTok is inventing it right now. Uh, Well, we have a a very special uh, game for you today. Uh, Our competitor today on our game of death uh, is someone who uh, picked this for his executive producer level game, Uh, being that uh, level on Patreon gave him the option to basically produce any type of game he wanted. He wanted a game of death uh, and to uh, make us look bad over here at the Pagoda, Uh, and we're happy to have him here. Uh, He's been a a patron for a long time, and he always posts wonderful questions on our Discord channel almost every day, and you can find those over there if you'd like to join him. He's coming to us from Butte, Montana, and that is Nathan McQuinn. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, If people are unfamiliar, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself once more and uh, why you chose Game of Death today? Uh, well, I worked. I work in higher ed. Uh, right now, I'm in uh, Butte, Montana. Um, I oversee residence halls, dorms, that kind of stuff. So it keeps me young, keeps me busy. 
Um, and I chose a game of death just because, you know, I, I went through your back catalog again. Um, and those episodes are always ones I find the most challenging, the most fun. And there's always a good array of questions because you're all so diverse. Uh, and so that's kind of why I picked it. Well, thank you for picking it. We're excited. We love the Game of Death format. We don't get to do it nearly enough. So we are super excited today and um, a little worried because we know that uh, you are a trivia master. So it's going to be a very worthy bout. Let's be quite clear for those of uh, yes. uh, of you in the listening audience who don't want to know what we look like and have never looked us up. We're only diverse in knowledge. Um, we're pretty much the exact same white guy. So, uh, And I'll say that Truth. I... I, I I'm a pretty good trivia player when it comes to being on a team. I'm a good teammate. Um, by myself, I struggle a little bit, so we'll see what happens. Oh, hey, me too. Yeah, same here, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for, for you know, obviously supporting us on Patreon, but also joining us at the executive producer level to choose your own game, which is super fun. And in order to do this game, we needed uh, a fantastic host, and uh, we looked no further than the champion of our Oscars trivia tournament, uh, going from uh, Tom Ford gown, or I guess I don't even know if Tom Ford makes gowns, but we'll just say Versace, uh, into a really cool outfit that we'll let her talk about, and that is Oakland Five supporter Amanda Zar. How are you, Amanda? Hi, I'm good, but today, please call me Beatrix. Beatrix Kiddo. Uh, That's right. Visual gag, she she is wearing the exact costume. Yellow of, suit. Yellow suit of Beatrix <laughs> yeah, Kiddo. Yeah, right, I am. With, like, you have a back tattoo. Come on. Like, That's true. With, yeah. the, with the blonde wig and everything, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Life is good for me. Um, I recently made a career change to um, motherhood, which is really exciting. Wow. I'm not sure what to expect, you know. I had a really, uh, you know, stressful job before where I helped people kind of get rid of things that they needed to get rid of, but I had some problems with my coworkers and a really toxic relationship with my boss. Mm. So I'm excited to move forward in life and and see what uh, motherhood can bring. We're talking about Kill Bill. Yeah, we're talking about Kill Bill. (laughs) (laughs) In case you're really lost. The blood that is on your, your costume, is that real or is that a food product? Um, I, I, it's only in black and white, so it can pass the FDA standards here on a podcast. Okay. Well, we appreciate that because we don't want to get a letter Yeah, about course. too much blood on an audio podcast. Yeah. But if you want to fly to Japan and see me, I'm in full color. So. Okay. okay. Remember, Neil, anything is a food product if you eat it. That's true. I mean, Ken's drinking milky water out of a box. It's so just water. <laughs> Thick water. <laughs> well, thank you, Amanda, for joining us and for writing today's Game of Death. We appreciate it. I'm very excited. I'm nervous, but I think uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Like Nathan, Game of Death episodes are some of my favorite. Awesome. Well, uh, Matt, I'm going to throw it to you uh, because this is a a different format than our normal rules reading. Do you want to just explain one more time to the listeners who may be listening to this episode for the first time? Yeah, so the Game of Death works where Nathan will be facing with us one-on-one in our category of expertise, which is sports for me. Uh, science and geography for Jeff, general movies and TV for Neil, and the rest for Ken. And he actually gets to pick a <laughs> category of his own. Um, and he'll face one of us. That'll replace the category. That'll be the last one. Uh, he'll face two of us in the swing round and two of us in the final. He gets double points on the swing round. So let's see how this goes. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, so we're going to throw it to you, Amanda. And Nathan, uh, who would you like to choose on your first level of the Pagoda to go head-to-head against? Let's go wild card. Let's go Ken. All right. I'm ready. Nice. It's, good to, it's right. good to take me early because I just woke up. So He's the Charlie's Day the, of our okay. podcast. Use the right strategy here. Wild card. And not fully hydrated, apparently. So no. 
Good to Not get yet. them while he's down. <laughs> All right, Nathan and Ken, here we go. So question number one. Kamala Harris is the first woman vice president, the first woman of color, the first South Asian American, and the first Black American vice president. But she is not the first person of color to hold the office. What man, who as a child in 1865 began living on the Ka Reservation, held the office? I feel bad for Ken because VPs are tough. Yeah. It's a game of death. Yeah. Somebody's got to die. Might as well be me. Sound effect. (laughs) Oh, wrong one. Wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I think you meant this one, Neil. Oh. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and lock in here um, on a guess because I really don't know the answer to this one, but um, I think I'm kind of getting at something. And I remember hearing this when, um, during the inauguration and I remember that reading the name, but I just can't remember it. And so I think I'm just going to have to pick a random last name. I'm just going to go with the generic last name of Johnson. Great. Johnson. Lucky Johnson. Lucky Johnson is always a good way to go. Uh, I'm just kind of playing the timeline here. Um, I think Teddy Roosevelt was uh, McKinley's VP, so I'm just going to say Teddy Roosevelt. Great guesses. Good. We were looking for Charles Curtis, who was VP to Herbert Hoover. Okay. Oh, that's a little later then. Okay. Yeah, so he was a child in 1865, so I was Mm. hoping that would, yeah, help you a little bit there. Excellent. All right. Moving on to question number two. The Galvin Manufacturing Corporation founded in 1928, changed their name to Motorola due to their most popular product. The name is a portmanteau highlighting that they weren't just a battery manufacturing company, but now made this very popular system. Uh, I I have no idea on this one, so I'm just going to guess automobiles. The only thing I know about Motorola is cell phone production, the razors, but that or the the razor phones. Um, and so what I wrote down was um, car as well. Um, I can't think of anything else it would be. All right, double lock on cars. So you were half right. So what if I told yeah. you the second half of the portmanteau is for Victrola? Mm. Oh, like um, audio, um, record player. So car radios. Yeah, this was oh. a company that made car radios. And oh. they had the battery capacity to make that happen. So. Oh, that's cool. That was a great question. Oh, great. boy. All right. This is not a high score game so far. Okay. <laughs> See, that's, that's something that's going <laughs> to that's something that's gonna stick, though, that one. Yeah. yeah. We'll remember that one for next time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, if I could, shout out uh, Good Job Brain. They kind of covered that in an episode, and I loved that fact. So oh. good job, Brain. Thank you. Good job, Brain. Um. Good job, Brain. Uh, good job. Good uh, job, Brain. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Hopefully we can get some points on the board with this one. What is the most common first name among the wives of Henry VIII? This is more of a Neil question due to the uh, the musical. Yep. I can't wait to go see Seven in the... The Seven, the musicals uh, with Brad Pitt and yep. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> sloth, 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 sloth. I believe, I believe you're thinking of nine and nine and a half. No, nine. No, what? 
<laughs> yeah, then you could just do the the full tour. Then, uh, like a man was saying, you go see six, go go see seven, go see nine. So, how many unique names were there? Four, three, four. Must have been four. All right, I'm gonna lock in here. I've got Catherine, Anne, and Jane. Hey, me too. I think there was a. Oh, good. That bodes well for me. Okay. Um, I think you guys are thinking of Charlie's Angels, so this might be our yeah. <laughs> I think there was only one Jane. I think that was Jane Seymour. So which comes down to Catherine and Anne. I know there was Anne Bowen and Anne... Of Green Gables. Yes. I think there might have been two. So <laughs> if I had a... I'm just going to have to guess. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess Catherine. Great. Catherine for Nathan, and what about for you? Kim? I had the exact same thought process. I was like, no, one Jane, probably two Anne's, so there's probably more Catherines. You're both correct. Yeah. There were three Ooh. Catherines. Ooh. Good job. That man knew what he liked. He liked Catherines. Get a tight. And removing, and heads, I was going to say, and removing heads from them. <laughs> Not all of them. All right. Two well of them. Done. Yes, two of them. All right, let's all let's let Neil have his moment where he can sing the first line. <laughs> no, I'll pass. I'll pass. Uh. <laughs> all right, question number four: How old was John F. Kennedy turning on the birthday where Marilyn Monroe famously sung him "Happy Birthday"? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and lock in here. Okay, so I'm gonna guess that. The birthday song would have been sang sometime in the 60s, and he would have been president by then. And so he was the youngest president, so I'm going to guess a year there. He was 30, he had to be at least 35, so I'm going to try and do some math here. He had to be at least 35 years old to be president. Uh, and so assuming he was 35, I think that comes to being 32 years old. I don't think he was present at the age of 35. So I'm just gonna bump up a few years. And so I'm gonna go ahead and guess 35. 35? Okay, I, I think he was a little older, um, but I don't have a good frame of mind about how old he was. Um, and also I just picked a kind of a round number. So I went with 45. I know he was a young president, but I think he was not, like, crazy young. He was the youngest elected. Teddy Roosevelt, I believe, was the youngest ever by, oh, oh, by yeah, way yeah. of McKinley's passing. Nice. Well, both of you got numbers right on that question, but only one of Ooh. you is getting points. Nathan got the oh. year right, which is 1962, oh. but he was turning 45 oh. years old. Oh. So, well done. Hey. That was a good question. Nice. All right, and our last question in the Ken round, sound effect, sound effect, sound effect. All right, in the 1600s, Portuguese missionaries in Japan introduced a method for preparing non-meat items to be eaten during Lent. Misnamed for its Latin meaning, what is this common Japanese food dish? Okay, I'm going to lock in here. Portuguese missionaries, so I'm guessing it's something that's so a non-meat item. I'm trying to think of vegetarian Japanese dishes. I don't think tofu is Japanese, um, but I can't think of many non-meat items from that region. I'm a terrible meat eater. Um, I can't think of anything else. I think I'm going to have to go with tofu. 
tofu. All right. Yeah. And Ken? It's not a bad guess. I'm also going with a soybean product, but I'm saying it's the uh, fermented soybean product called natto. Um, just just uh, based on the like wording of the preparation, the non-meat item. And uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I got at. Great guesses from both. So the answer here we were looking for was tempura. Mm, oh, oh. Yeah, I did know that actually. <laughs> that was yeah. in my brain somewhere. I just didn't think of it. Very good. I had well, heard that. The... I just, yes. yeah. After the dreaded Ken round, not knowing what we were going to ask questions about at any measure, where do the scores stand for us, please? Well, after that wild card round, the scores aren't so wild, but they're there. Uh, Nathan has 10 points. And uh, Team Triviality has 20. All right. Hmm. Very nice. All right, Nathan, who shall you challenge next in the Pagoda as you move your (sighs) Let's go to probably my next challenging round, and that's going to be Neil. Neil. Mm. All right. I'm next. I'm the Gilberg now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as a reminder, uh, Neil's area of expertise besides um, smells in a pit are TV and movies. Smells in a pit, just not arm. (laughs) Correct. Very specific area of expertise. Okay. Question number one. In a follow-up to in a box, after Andy Sandberg and Justin Timberlake's characters get released from prison, they come up with special gifts for Mother's Day, meaning that they will sleep with each other's mothers. What Oscar winner and Emmy winner play these characters' mothers in the digital short Mother Lover? It's so good. Okay, I'm locked in. All right, we got a lock, and Nathan, and apologies to Ken for having to bleep every time I say in a box, like now in a box or in a box. It's the name of the song. That's fine. I love doing this one at karaoke. Sometimes solo and just do both parts. I think we did it. We in, did it together. Vegas, yeah. yeah, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know which part was which though, so I got lost. Can I say the D word? Uh, in a box. Um, yeah, you can say in a box as okay. much as you want. Yeah, in a box is a great word to say. Okay. Um, and I think I remember one of the people, but I can't pull the other person. Um, I think it, I'm picturing, and I might be completely wrong. Was it Sarandon? But I can't think of the other person, so I'm going to have to say Sarandon and Johnson because I can't think of the other person. Nice. So we have Sarandon and another Lucky Johnson. Dakota Johnson. And Neil. Oh, Dakota Johnson would be a good choice. As JT says, uh, my mom's been so alone ever since my daddy left. Um, I'm locking with Susan Sarandon, correct, and uh, one of my favorite character actresses, uh, Patricia Clarkson. That is correct. Two correct answers there. Very good. Neil, Good job. great job. Oh, boy. Yes, Patricia Cartland being six feet from people before it was cool. That's right. Very true. Very true. (laughs) All right. Question number two. In Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter Parker is gifted AI sunglasses from the late Tony Stark. The AI calls itself Edith, or E-D-I-T-H, which is an acronym for what snarky phrase? Wish I had Neil's round. I know. I was thinking the same he thing. Steals I was like, all the movie questions from me, and that's why I do so bad. In my I was like, I'm looking over, and I'm like, oh, Kendo's two for two now. Well, I did know. I did know. Uh, Forty-five and Tempore. I got those two. I and knew Tempore too. It just didn't come to me. 
Um, I'm mad at myself for that one. Edith. So I know it's, uh, I think it's, well, Jennifer Connelly was the voice of the AI, which is funny because she's married to Paul Bettany. I was going to say, who was Jarvis? Who was Jarvis. Yeah. I think I'm locked in. Nice. Mm. All right. You want to think out loud at all, Neil, here? Snarky phrase. So I'm trying to think if this is like a Tony Stark phrase just to like get back at him. Um, I saw this movie like, is this the one with um, Mysterio? Jill mm-hmm. Hall, yeah. So I saw this with mm-hmm. Ken. I saw it with my brother. I think I saw this movie like three times in the theaters and I'm, I'm not pulling this. Um, <laughs> this movie's great. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, even every danger, even danger is there, honey. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what it would be like to date you? Yeah, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I'm just gonna say um, I I remember the scene. I just I can't pull it. So I'm just gonna say every day is Tony's. Every day, house. Yeah, every day is Tony's house. <laughs> I think the only reason I know this is I was randomly in a um, online trivia thing, and I think I heard a variation of this question, and I could be wrong because I'm thinking it might. There's two words I'm like, I might not be completely sure. I might be wrong, but I think it might be even dead on the hero. That sounds right to me. Yeah. All right. Do you agree, Jeff? Yeah, that's what I was going to guess if it was my round. Yes, that is correct. Even oh dead, God. I'm the hero. <laughs> nice poll. Very good, Nathan. Mm-hmm. That was just luck being in the right place the right time and having that in my head somewhere. Yeah, but that's one of the best oh. parts about trivia. Yeah. All right. Very good. Oh, God. Oh, I need that. Okay. <laughs> Take a drink. Take a drink. Ooh, is that mud water? How is it? <laughs> oh, that, this episode oh, not sponsored yeah. by mud water. <laughs> but it is sponsored by the film by Mud. Thick water. <laughs> oh, God. Get that guy a Lincoln and get him out of here. Okay. And some mud jeans. And some mud jeans. <laughs> and mud flaps. And the band mud Puddle flaps, of Mud. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Moving on. Question number three. What actress played the amazing diva to end all divas, Electra, on the hit TV show Pose, who will read you down the house boots if you get this question wrong? Okay. I am locked in. I think I might remember the last name. Uh, just from seeing it potentially and, and then the amount of praise the show has gotten. Um, it it really is something I need to watch. Um, I think the last name might be Jackson. Not Johnson, right. but Jackson. Lucky Jackson. Oh, Lucky Jackson. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Lucky Jackson this time. <laughs> Nathan locked in with Jackson. And to Neil? Nathan's right. Uh, oh. I was very... Uh... I was very close. I, I made a very poor mistake. I said Dominique Johnson, but I believe it's Dominique Jackson. Oh, oh yes. Yes, it I, is Dominique I, Jackson. I almost said Johnson as well because I've been saying that for almost every question <laughs> so far. Oh, oh. I Good can't job. believe that. All right. Here we go. Moving forward to question number four. What are the three phases of demonic activity all ending with the letters I-O-N, according to Lorraine and Ed Warren, self-professed demonologists featured in the Conjuring films. I've actually only seen the first Conjuring movie. I, th- I think I got one of them, but I can't pull the other two even guesses. So I'll have a guess for one of them, but I need to tap out, I think. You can jauncy on. <laughs> I could jauncy, yes. Jauncy okay, and Jackson. I'll, I'll put some- 
Jackson I'll put some on. Funny. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so Nathan, yeah. that's a that's a locked. Yeah, I I'm, I got one, but I'm not going to pull the other two. Yeah, I mean, I I'm trying to think of a bunch of uh, horror movies because they probably all use these terms. Um, yeah, I've only seen the first Conjuring. It was so long ago. I I think Possession has to be one. Think about Cajun Man from SNL. Mm. Cajun Man. Possession. Oh, Possession. Yeah. <laughs> so Possession definitely has to be one. Demonic Possession. Um, I mean, maybe Transformation, but I, that doesn't. I don't know. Transforming. Um, Oh wait, uh, demonic possession. Okay, so that would be the doll would be possessed by a demon. Um, yeah, I, this one's killing me. I, I'll just say transformation, possession, and uh, I want to say exorcism, but that is not I O N. Um, yeah, that's all I got. That's all so, I'm gonna. There's another up. one. Demonic maybe, consultation. Maybe in, they just kind of talk to each other. Introduction. So nobody's so nobody's right. got full full um, answers here. But let's see how they did. That's okay. Well, if you have seen the first Conjuring film, this is the very first thing they do. They're giving a presentation and they explain it and write it on the board. And the three phases are infestation, mm. oppression, and possession. I had none of those. Okay. Yes. I had reanimation because apparently I think a zombie is a demon. So <laughs> you could have a zombie. I would, I would watch that movie. Yeah. I would watch that movie for what it's worth. These are great questions. All right. Thank you. Um, question number five, what Hollywood power couple appeared in Spike Lee's do the right thing and jungle fever? I think I know what you're getting at. It's kind of a tricky question. All right, I'm going to lock in. Well, I mentioned before we started recording that I have a list of movies I'm trying to watch because movies are a weakness of mine. And I was on something like, I just added some movies and one movie I added yesterday was, do the right thing. I think it's on Peacock or something like that. Um, and the only thing I remember seeing is that Spike Lee directed it and Jungle Fever I've never seen. And so I don't think I have an answer. I can't think of two people that would have been in both movies. So I think I need to tap on this one All and hoping right. that I do better with Jeff in the next round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Neil. I think it's kind of a trick question because you want to go to like Spike Lee or Danny Aiello or John Turturro or Samuel Jackson, all those, you know, all the different people in this movie. But I think when she said power couple, she might mean some of the older actors, uh, some of the more famous actors. So uh, I went with uh, Ozzie Davis and Ruby D. That is correct, Neil. Well done. <laughs> that is two of my favorites. Yes. Ruby D and Ozzie Davis. Very nice. All right. So at the end of the Neil round, how are our scores looking, please? So Nathan picked up 20 points, bringing his total to 30 before the swing round. And uh, I unfortunately picked up 20 points as well, but that brings our total at Triviality to 40, and we are still in the lead, 40 to 30. Well done. I would also like to point out, if I can, that Nathan's wearing a particularly cool shirt. That's right. You got a uh, Triviality shirt. Triviality shirt from our store. You can also yes. feel free to pick one up at T Public. And now we have the crop tops and the the cool guy uh, tank tops Muscle and tanks. the trucker hat. The trucker hat and what was the other last thing? A fancy sweater. A fancy, fancy sweater. sweater. Oh, the it's like the crop the crop sweater, right? Yeah, it's pretty nice. Nice. So it's when you want to be a little bit warmer, but still bare your midriff. Warm on top, cool belly button. Right. That's important. You always need a cool belly. Finally, right show now. off that piercing. Yeah, you do have to show off your piercing. I, I like how it's like the sun that Louis the Fourteenth used to use on his palace. It's very 
particular. Yeah. Uh, All right. So now's the time where uh, Nathan can rack up some points on us in the swing round. So, Nathan, who would you like to uh, choose to go up against you in the swing round? Keeping in mind that the other two will go against you in the final. Oh, this might be a mistake. Um, I'm going to go Jeff and Matt. Well, here we go. So Jeff and Matt and Nathan, here is your swing round in this game of death. Where are we? I guess in the pagoda, we're on the stairs or we are, where would we be in this? Yeah, moment? taking a breather on the, the stairs in between uh, floor two and three. Yeah, I like to think of it as the pagoda cafeteria. Uh, yes. So everybody's picking up their trays. This one's wet. This one's wet. This one's wet. And here is your swing round. Uh, very straightforward. <laughs> very straightforward. I'm just going to give you a mnemonic device, and I would like you to tell me generally what it helps you remember. So number one is every good boy does fine. Number two, dear King Philip came over for good soup. Number three, Superheroes must eat oats. Number four, Toronto girls can flirt and only quit to chase dwarves. And the last one of the swing round, when Jeff left home, Jack got fat. All right, so these guys will be thinking about these questions. It'll be five points for the Triviality team and 10 points for Nathan. Um, but before that, uh, we have a little special bumper here. Uh, we wanted to sample some of these chips sent to us by one of our listeners, right, Neil? Yes, one of our listeners, Andrew, sent us a really wonderful email. Uh, he works at a company. He's one of the co-owners uh, of Low Country Kettle Potato Chips. They're based in South mm. Carolina. And uh, he told me that he works uh, sometimes upwards of 100 hours a week and our podcast has kept him company and kept him entertained and actually for two ten, whole weeks, two whole weeks. And as Ken, you said, that's basically our, so for two weeks over and over again, he could listen to our entire catalog. Yeah. So he sent us these chips. He said, thank you for all you guys do. It's just one of the nicest uh, gestures we've received. And we're really happy to, to check these out. So Ken is opening up a bag. All right. So we got some unique flavors here. Uh, I've got the Carolina Reaper, which we've been assured are not too hot, but I like spicy anyway. So. Nice crunch. Mmm. 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 No joke. Very good. Very good. Awesome. I, I've got mustard barbecue sauce. And I actually am still here. I've got state fair fried pickle. So these are really good. Let me get that nice. Uh, here, I'll trade you, Neil. Sound yeah. effect. And I got uh, They rock. are gluten free, and mm -hmm. um, which is great. Uh, and and vegan for Ken. Some of them are vegan. Some of them. Mmm. I like the mustard BBQ. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Here, you need some thick water? Yeah. Neil, right, drink feel, some thick don't, water. Don't Let me try some of that mustard barbecue. Why does it have maybe, solid maybe should in have. it? We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to pass around these chips a little more. These guys are going to think about their answers, and we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. We are back from that break. And uh, let's let's get the uh, the answers from our teams. See how we did. And thanks for those crunches, Ken. And thanks again to Andrew Trumbull of Low Country Kettle, uh, first chip company in South Carolina. And uh, they make everything in the house. So we appreciate the kind gesture. And we're going to keep crunching away. All right. Energy for all. All right. Just as a reminder, for the swing round, I gave you a mnemonic device. And I wanted you to tell me what it generally helps you to remember. So number one was every good boy does Fine. Nathan, what did you get for that one? I thought it was for musical notes. Um, on, uh, I'm going to say musical notes. I'm hoping that's close enough. Let me know if I need to be more specific. That's all right. I'll take that. And for our triviality team? All right. So Matt and I both knew it was musically related. Um, we thought maybe it was um, maybe major scale or, or circle of fifths. So I think that's what we ended up going with. All right. So technically, this helps you remember the lines of the treble clef, ah. the lines, not necessarily the notes. But I would say the notes that land on the lines count for me. So I, I'm i OK giving points to both teams for that. Okay. That's generous. Thank yes. you. All right. Next one we had was Dear King Philip came over for good soup. Uh, Nathan, what'd you get for that one? This one confused me because the D was in front of it. Um. But the rest of it, Kingdom Class, Phylum, all that. Um, oh, Kingdom Phylum. So I guess taxonomy. Um, right. Or classification. Perfect. And triviality? Yeah, we two guessed levels of taxonomic classification. That is correct. Very good. Both teams, well done. Who invites a king don't... over and serves him soup? Though, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> you know what oh, I would feed a king? Low, low country uh, kettle? kettle chips. Yeah. <laughs> The hot ones are right. Get your hand out of my bag. Oh my, things are happening over there. All right. Uh, question number three, superheroes must eat oats. Uh, Nathan? I think that might be the, the Great Lakes. Great, and triviality? Oh man. Oh, that's totally obvious. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need a mnemonic because I just know them. But yes, usually I hear it as homes, right? Like here on Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior. But what did we guess, Matt? Uh, we guessed incorrectly with, uh, we thought they might have been layers of the Earth's crust. Uh, but no, we're wrong. Mm. Bad. Yes, those are the Great Lakes. Sorry. Sorry, that one didn't take you homes. Um, question... Good thing we don't live on one. <laughs> Question number four, Toronto girls can flirt and only quit to chase dwarves. What did you get for that one, Nathan? This one was really hard for me. Um, I I didn't even have a guess or on the letters. And um, I'm going to guess it's probably something science related, but I couldn't think of, think of what it could be. And so I was very general and just wrote down periodic table and hoping I don't need to be more specific. 
All right, we got periodic table from Nathan and triviality. Well, we thought it was science related as well. Um, also equally out of our depth here, but seeing the cue, we thought quarks maybe, so we just said subatomic particles. Very good. Well, you were both correct. It is science related, but this is the mineral hardness scale. Oh, I had that written down too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah starting, with, starting with talc and ending with diamond. That's mm. that cue would be quartz. Yeah. Then. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Darn it. All right. And our very last one, this one I thought was pretty hard, but you know, it's a game of death. Uh, when Jeff left home, Jack got fat. What did you get for that one, Nathan? I couldn't make the whole series work, um, but I put down um, currency, uh, dollar bill currency, who's on them. Great. Excellent. And triviality? Mm. Oh. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we started making stuff up, uh, thinking that J might be joules, H hertz, uh, W for work. We thought maybe these are units of energy. No, it's definitely currency. Yes, it is. The people on currency, starting with Washington all the way to the $100 bill with Franklin. Yep, Washington, Jefferson, Good Lincoln, job, Hamilton. Nathan. I thought that one's tricky. Good job. I only had a few parts of it. I didn't think it was going to That's the only thing I could think of, but I, oh, wow. That was luck. Excellent job. Well done. Oh. It's double points and are really coming handy. Do you, yeah. What does that do for our score over there, Neil? Well, uh, Amanda, I'm a little disappointed that you did not include uh, MASH for mansion, apartment, shack, or house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but... I always ended up, you know, in in the shack with, I, I mean, at the time, Jonathan Brandis, who was the only person I wanted to marry. So, mm. Well, that's okay. I, I would have been his sidekick any day, just like Chuck Norris. Um, nice. So after the swing round, Nathan took full advantage of the double points. Uh, and was four out of five, so he picked up 40 points. Triviality uh, only picked up 10 points. So after the swing round, Triviality is at 50, and our new leader, Nathan, is at 70. Oh, well done, Nathan. All right, Nathan, with this newfound courage, as you make your way up the pagoda, who shall you challenge next? Um, I think I'll wait to do the special category uh, last. And so I'll go with who I'm most looking forward to today. That's Jeff, just because mm. we have very similar um, areas, I think. So, all right. Um, oh, Matt, always a bridesmaid, um, Matt. No sports for Matt. <laughs> go to bed with no Aww, sports. Wah, wah. <laughs> Soundboard, please. Soundboard. Everybody feel bad for Matt. Aww. So sorry. All right. All right, Nathan. So here we go. Sad. <laughs> All right. Jeff and Nathan, here we go. Question one. And as a reminder, we are in the category here of science and geography. So question number one, up until 2018, a causeway that connected these two countries meant that women could only drive on one side but not the other because the border was located roughly halfway across. Okay, I'm locked in. All right, we got a lock from Jeff. Nathan? Um, I'm trying to think of when you would need to drive through a, on, on a causeway or, or, or something that two countries that had a unique border and maybe one or two that had different laws about women driving. And so my first thought was the Middle East um, but I can't think of any borders that would do that. And so I'm thinking maybe in southwestern Europe, I know there's a country that kind of cuts, I think um, I think it's Croatia in half almost. 
Um, and so that's the only thing I can think of border-wise. So I'm going to guess Croatia, and I think it's Bosnia and Herzegovina. All right. Great. Thank you. Jeff? Um, my guess, uh, the first country that comes to mind when I think about um, restrictions on women driving is Saudi Arabia. Um, and then there is just one uh, road connecting Saudi Arabia and this island country. Uh, I said oh. Bahrain, so I'm hoping that that is the correct answer. Yes, a causeway would be any road that has to deal with water. So absolutely. Oh. Yeah, so the answer here is Saudi Arabia and Bahrain. Well done, Jeff. I, I, I grew up in Minnesota. There's not many causeways <laughs> there. So, <laughs> All right. Moving here to question number two. The 1969 movie Krakatoa, East of Java, is about the famous 1883 eruption of Krakatoa, which caused what, what was believed to be the loudest sound ever heard on Earth. Unfortunately, they didn't check all their facts. What did this film get wrong in its retelling? Let's see. 1969. Oh, I'm locked in. I'm going to guess they got the location wrong. Uh, no. Yeah, look, Krakatoa is not east of Java. All right, that, great. That's my guess. Perfect, locked in with that. And Jeff? I'm pretty sure that Krakatoa is off the west coast of the island of West Java, so. That is correct, Oh yes. my God. <laughs> well done. Oh. <laughs> Might not wanna mess up the title of your movie. Might wanna research that. That was a fun <laughs> question. Okay. Good job, both of you. I, I think I recently watched a, um, like a geographics video on Krakatoa, so that helped. <laughs> He's always just watched a geographics video about blank. I do watch a lot of YouTube, uh, so according to my phone, uh, like 21 hours last week, so very good. Ooh. Was this in the uh, the series called Krakatoilet, which is Krakatoa facts while you are on the toilet? <laughs> I can tell you if you crack a toilet, you're having a really bad day, so it's probably commensurate to Krakatoa. Just wish they wouldn't <laughs> call it Krakatoa knowledge in five-minute chunks. Oh, God. Chunks that are like in the uh, the water, the box water over there. <laughs> it's not chunky. It's just <laughs> thick. And now back to the quiz at hand from that <laughs> lovely interval. <laughs> Question number three. The new Seven Wonders Foundation, based in Zurich, conducted an online poll, the largest poll on record, to select the world wonders from a list of 200 world monuments, which is the only winner to be located in Europe. I think I guess locked in. I don't think it's right, but it's a guess that came to my mind first. And All right. Great. Nathan is locked in. Jeff, you want to think out loud on this one? All right, looking at the question, I'm thinking through a lot of sites, but it says the new Seven Wonders. So I think it's probably something a little bit more contemporary than the pyramids and stuff that comes to mind when you think of great wonders. I'm going to lock in with the Eiffel Tower. All right, locked in with the Eiffel Tower. And Nathan, your thoughts on this? I originally had the same kind of thought process Jeff did. I My first answer I kind of wrote down on paper was the Parthenon. Uh, I'm thinking it's the new Seven Wonders. Um, and so I also wrote down the Eiffel Tower. All right. We have two locks on the Eiffel Tower. I feel bad because maybe um, I wrote the question poorly. So the, <laughs> the foundation is called the new Seven Wonders just because 
there was an old Seven Wonders Foundation. Oh. Um, but we were looking uh, for the Coliseum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something I had thought about. So they but, kind of, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, they kind of, I think, wanted to like wipe the slate clean. And now that they had the ability to take a poll online, they wanted to yeah. get everybody. So it was one of the first online polls ever to happen. Oh. Much better choice than having so think, uh, people yeah. voting fight to the death. That was a Coliseum joke. Yes. That's okay. Love Don't that. laugh anyone listening. Just I'll leave. I liked it occasionally when they would flood the place and then reenact naval battles. All right. Moving on now to question number four. Mammoth Cave National Park has nearly 400 miles of cave systems, much of which has yet to be explored. And scientists believe it is the largest cave system in the world. In which U.S. state can you find this national I think I'm locked in. All right. I'm locked in. Great. Jeff? I've got a couple states coming to mind, but I think so that Ken doesn't have to edit out 20 minutes of silence, uh, I'm just going (laughs) to go ahead and lock in with California. All right. We have one lock on California for Jeff. And Nathan, what do you think about this one? For some reason, as my pen was working, I think the first state that came to my head was Kentucky. All right. So the correct answer is Kentucky, Nathan. Well done. Very good. All right. Question number five to end Jeff's round here in the pagoda. The Diomede Islands, consisting of Biodiomede, located in Russia, and Little Diomede, located in America, are only 2.4 miles apart. But because they are separated by an international border and the international dateline, how much time separates these two islands? Okay, I'm locked in. I'm going to guess based on the number of time zones I think there are. Actually, I don't know how many time zones I think there are, but I assume there was 24. Um, I'm going to guess 23 hour difference. All right, we got a guess of 23. Jeff? Um, that, that's one of the possibles I had considered, but um, I have a feeling that if you leave from one island and arrive at the other at 3 p.m. one day, you arrive 3 p.m. the next day there. So I said 24 hours apart. Nice. Both of you logic that out very well. Unfortunately, the answer is 20 hours, but very, very close. I was thinking about doing a a part of me really wants to give you both points for that. No, I don't know if I can. (laughs) Yeah, I should have logicked out maybe like a four hour Mm. span, but I like how you logicked it out. That would have been much cooler an answer. be a lot cooler if it was all right so at the end of our science and geography rounds how are our scores doing neil jeff and nathan both uh, got two questions right which brings the scores to 70 for triviality and 90 for nathan going into the final one-on-one round all right so this means that our final round is against matt and nathan you got to choose your topic of expertise and now you will reveal that to matt and crush all of his dreams well i thought about wrestling but i thought you were also an expert in wrestling (laughs) um and so it's been a little bit of time so i've seen the tv show but i can literally it's my favorite show of all time I'm going to go on the TV show Lost. Oh. 
I have seen Ooh, one. This will be this will be good. Oh, nice! And to yeah. put us in the mood. <laughs> oh, that brings me back. <laughs> and now you can't make any money on this episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Demonetized. Well, I was really excited when Nathan told me his topic was lost, and I began binging it as fast as I could. So I'm very excited to ask these questions today, and I was really excited. So thank you, Nathan, for bringing me back to this great TV show. We, we, we have, have to, go, to back. go back. We have to go back. All right, where's the rain? Okay, so Matt and Nathan, question number one in the category of lost. When Locke has the vision that leads to the discovery of the Nigerian plane, he also learns some information about Boone's past. What is it? And I think I'm locked in. All right. Yes. We have a lock from Nathan. Matt, you want to reason this one out? Or are you feeling uh, lost? I'm, all right. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't remember. I don't think Boone was too interesting of a character. Uh, I know that he was related to Shannon. He's, he was no, no Paulo and Nikki from what I recall. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I don't know. Maybe I, was this the guy that had a drug problem? I think they all had drug problems. I know, uh, Charlie had a drug problem. So maybe maybe this guy also did. Maybe he figured out that this guy liked a little bit of the nose candy. So I'm going to say that he he had a drug problem. Great. We have a lock with a drug problem. And Nathan? Well, I think the creepiest thing about Boone's past, the fact he banged his sister. Um, but I don't think that's what it was. I think as he had the vision, I remember Boone, he had him seeing Boone say, Teresa fell down the stairs or up the stairs. And the maid fell down the stairs because he was being kind of a jerk to her. So I think the answer is he was responsible for, I think it was the death of the, or, or the harming of his maid by having him go up and down the stairs and she fell down. Correct. Nathan really nailed that. Yeah, Boone as a child pushed his maid, uh, the maid down the stairs and killed her. Oh, me too. Excellent job. Oh, okay. Well, good. I'm glad we are not I mean, in the same location. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Great job. Nathan really does know his stuff. I was mad oh. with like giving all this lost knowledge. This is going to be great. Yes. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm curious about my questions. Okay. Question number two. I hope I'm saying this right, so I apologize. Um, what is the Valenzetti equation said to predict? I'd love to do an ASMR episode. Um, it's kind of soothing. Yeah, that's really loud. I think I think I know this one's all locking. The, the the how the world would end or when it would end or something like that. And the other was what they're in the lamppost station. They use time in things to find out where the island was going to be in time. Uh, so they both wind up dealing with time. Vanzetti. I'm going to guess something about the the, the world ending, to, um, the, the, dark, the equation of how to prevent the world from dying out. All right. Yeah. Got that. And Matt? Well, I, the numbers, I think the numbers of the equation are the 4, 8, 15, 16, whatever, the ones that they have to put into the computer. And I think that it's it leads to a, a countdown of the end of civilization. Or I think I think it's like 
predicts the end oh. of civilization. So that's what I'm going to lock in with. Okay. Um, maybe I'll need some help from the Triviality Boys to reason this one out. So the exact answer is that this is the moment that humanity will extinguish itself. So I feel like oh. Matt was a little bit more on the money, but also like the end of time kind of also makes sense with this. So I would be willing to give you both points. Uh, you're the whole, I'll leave it up to you. Points for everyone. Points for everyone. Okay. Very good. I mean, you were both right there. Now, mm -hmm. is the Dharma Initiative, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that where you meet someone on a first date and you nope. immediately elope? Nope. That's the <laughs> I think it's initiative. the sequel to Dharma and Greg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I thought it was the prequel to Dharma and Greg. That's <laughs> when she first engages Greg. So they were on the plane. and then Before they... he's an FBI agent. Yeah. And then he's really, he's like Sherlock Holmes, kind of. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I know this goes against the game of death, um, points, but I hope it will be allowed in this case. And as Beatrix kiddo, I say it is, or else I will hunt you down and murder you and bury you alive. So speaking of the Dharma initiative, yep. there are nine total Dharma stations on the island. The swan is the first one we discover when the hatch is blown open and was planned to be a laboratory which researches electromagnetism. Please name as many of the other stations and what their function was for points. <laughs> so could I do like two points for each? Sure. Would that be okay? Yeah. Or I can change the question to just be name a couple for me for points. What would you like to do, Neil? Two, two points each. Two is cool, yeah. Any, any chance for okay, them to build so up you their have score? To, yeah, you have to name the name of the station and its function to get the points. Okay. Please. You can't get a half a point for one. Okay. Um, okay, so there's only a few that I really remember. The main one I remember is the Hydra, because that's where um, Kate and handsome blonde man, whose name I'm forgetting right now, are in the cages. Sawyer. Sawyer with the with the bear biscuits or whatever. Uh, so it's got the cages there. That's the one I remember. I remember the Looking Glass because I think that was in the episode with uh, Penny's boat. I believe maybe not. It's not Penny's um, boat. Yeah. Okay, you're right. It's not. Um, but then I think <laughs> there's the pearl and the flame, but I don't remember what they do. So I'm gonna lock in with the hydra, with the with the cages thing, and then the pearl, the looking glass, and the flame. And can you tell me? So um, at the hydra station, because they had cages, do you know what they were studying? Like, was it per was it a jail? Is that what you're saying? No, they were studying something, something with like the animals because they, they were supposed to be bear cages because they were bear biscuits. That's what I remember. So I guess it's like okay. zoology or something. And then the pearl, what were they studying? Um, they were studying uh, pearls of wisdom would be my guess. And the <laughs> okay. flame would be and... the lyrical works of Waka Flocka Flame. Okay, wow, that is really specific. Thank you. And the looking glass? Uh, the it's looking function. the looking glass would would have to be um, to see how far the rabbit hole goes, I believe. Okay. Great, excellent. Very, very topical. All right, Nathan, let's see your knowledge on display here. Go for it. Okay. So again, the the okay, you said the first station, which was the the Swan station that was the uh, numbers where you die contained electromagnetism. 
And then the other one, the cable that went down into the water when Sawyer walked around the island and it was underwater and submerged. Ben lied to his people and told them it was damaged, but it wasn't because he had Bonnie and the woman down there. The looking glass was the um, a satellite to help boats find where the island mm-hmm. was. Uh, because as soon as that, as soon as the thing got the blocking signal got turned off, Penny was like, Where are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my signal. Um, so it's that one. Uh, the Pearl Station. When they went down there, it was by where Boone crashed a plane and died. They moved it and they went under. And it was a psychological station where they were watching people in the Swan Station, writing down everything they did, putting the pneumatic tubes. So they thought it was a station to spy on people, but it was really a um, a station to a psychological station to see what they would do while watching people. Um, when the other half of the plane crashed on the other side of the island, they were in the aero station. So there was an aero station and they dealt with defense. It was against the island's indigenous population to protect them from there. Then there was the orchid. The orchid station was where the, the wheel was that moved the island. The orchid dealt with time travel because that was one of the spaces where the magnetic energy was so strong, it could change time. So the pearl station, it was hidden as a botany station because there were flowers everywhere but it was a uh time travel time travel um the hydro station was on the other island it was on the minor island a couple miles away and again that dealt with animal research mainly bears but there was also birds and things like that and the rabbits with numbers on their backs um there was the staff station and that was where claire gave birth to aaron and so that dealt with medical research uh, ethan rom brought claire there uh, then there was the communication station. That's where, or the the flame station that dealt with communications because Mikhail was there and he got all these news reports about the plane crashing and things like that. Um, it also blew up the same episode. So the flame station dealt with um, communications. Then there was in one episode there was a station called the Tempest, and both Desmond and Charlotte went there to turn off gas. So that station dealt with poisonous gas on the island. Um, and then the only station that's off the island uh, is called the Lamppost. And that was in the church um, basement that had these pendulums swinging that would be able to predict where and when the island would be. Uh, and that's when they were off the island, they found out they could board a GR Flight 316 to go back to the island. <sighs> that's all I could come up with. Nathan, that was pretty freaking cool. That was... <laughs> Amazing. Um, nothing that Nathan said was incorrect. All of those answers are correct. So very mm, nice. If I'm correct, that would be four points for Matt and 16 for Nathan. That's correct. Fantastic. Wow. We should just leave now, Nathan. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> All right. Question number four. Who was fired from their position at ABC for greenlighting the lost pilot because it cost the network $13 million to produce both episodes? Okay, I'm locked in. All right, we have a lock from Nathan. Matt, would you like to think this one out? Um, not particularly, no. I, I don't really. <laughs> this is a... Johnson, not some, Johnson, Johnson. Yeah, I mean, so I do know the name of an NBC executive, which is Robert Greenblatt, and I don't know if this was him or if that's around the time period. Um, but I do know that at one point he was an executive... And it might not even been ABC because I said NBC. So I think that's what it is. But he's somebody that I know. So I'm locking in with Greenblatt. All right. Gotcha. And Nathan? The two names that went to my head were J.J. Abrams and um, 
Lindolf. I think it was David Lindolf. So I think it's one of those two. I'm going to go ahead and just guess 50-50, and I wrote down uh, Abrams. All right. So the correct answer we were looking for here was Lloyd Brand. Oh, okay. Mm. Lloyd Brand. Yeah. Seinfeld fan. Of course, he. Yeah. Why can't you be more like Lloyd Brand? What's the deal with Lost? Also famous (laughs) from Game Game of Thrones, who knew he was going to become king, right? Mm -hmm. All right, and our last question in the lost round, Nathan's round here. Um, this one has a personal place in my heart. This is my favorite episode of Lost, so I had to okay. write a question about it. Oh, please be uh, the constant. Please be the constant. Nikki and Paolo. <laughs> well, now maybe I should rewrite the question. <laughs> the constant is my favorite episode. It is um, the best episode of TV a top 10 episode of mine of all time. It's well yes, done. It's so good. When, okay. Yeah. Um, so in the fourth season of Lost, Desmond begins to time travel between 1996 and 2004 in his consciousness. After a time travel expert, Dr. Faraday's rat Louise in 1996, learn, they learn that she will die. Dr. Faraday tells Desmond he must establish a constant or a person who exists in both times. Can you tell me what is the day he must call Penny in order not to die? Locked in. What is this show about? (laughs) Dude, I can't even tell you, and I love Lost. All right. (laughs) Nathan, that was at Locked in from Nathan, is that correct? Yeah, Mm -hmm. DDH is is the man. Matt... Yes, he is John Lockton on this one. I don't, I have. Uh, <laughs> it was right there. It was I right know, there the whole, whole time. time. I mean, I only have 365 to go through, so it's, it shouldn't be too hard when I just start to narrow it down. It feels like it would be a um, a nice spring day, possibly uh, a day when it's not too cold and not too hot. Uh, I'm going to say April 22nd is probably the ideal date. <laughs> I love that. April 22nd from Matt and Nathan. I, it's between one to two days. It's, I think it's either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because he tells her, you promised me, call me on this date because he needs to have that connection to the constant. And I think because you can see the tree behind Penny when she when – she, when she answers the phone. Um, and I think it's Christmas day. And every single time I see this episode and they both say, I love you at the same time, I cry like a baby. I also cry like a baby. This is one of my favorite episodes of all time. Also because the date they have to call each other is my birthday, which is oh. actually December 24th, Christmas Eve. Oh, it was Eve. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I was when close. I'm watching this episode, and then he says, "I'll call you on Christmas Eve." I was like, "This is my favorite episode of all time." I was like, "I'm oh. Yes, this in the suitcase, man. So good. All right, so Nathan's uh, round on Lost has ended, and where do we find our scores, Neil? I think we are lost. We are lost for sure. <laughs> that is definitely correct. Not uh, officially yet, but getting there we're still in it we're still in it it's not too far gone uh, going into the final round team triviality has 84 points but in the lead is nathan with 126 points so what are these categories Whoa, we can wager on all right so for our final round which i believe is going to be uh neil and ken is that correct mm-hmm, that's right 
Yes. All right. So your five categories for the final round here at the top of the pagoda are characters in songs, New York City, what's in a name, the great beyond, and our final questions category, triviality, a podcast. All right. Everybody's wagers are locked in. All right. Here we go. Question number one. In the Billy Joel song, Piano Man, what is the name of the bartender? Oh, my God. All right. Question number two. The Empire State Building, the MetLife Building, Woolworth Building, and the Chrysler Buildings in New York City each have their own what? Making deliveries to the many businesses housed inside easier for the United States Postal Service. All right. Question number three. What is the English translation of San Diego? And no, it has nothing to do with whale vaginas. <laughs> that was my first thought. All right. Question number four, the great beyond. Invented by Robert Murch, Helen Peters, a medium in the early 1900s, helped to name the Ouija board. Said to mean good luck, how did the Ouija board get its name? And our final question here in the game of death, what movie release happening six months after the first episode of Triviality was being recorded inspired one of the final questions? All right, we will consider these answers and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. All of the answers are now locked in. Let's see how we did, Amanda. All right. So this final round usually takes place at the very top of the pagoda. But today, as me as host, I'm saying it is the House of Blue Leaves. Uh, so question number one in the Billy Joel song, Piano Man, who is the bartender? Quick with a joke and to light up your smoke. Nathan, what'd you get for this one? Uh, I bet 20 because I'm doing better at song lyrics 
uh, once I heard it was Billy Joel, I got happier. Um, and I think it's John, the friend is a bar of mine. He gets me with drinks for free. So I thought John. John and Triviality? And uh, we bet 15. 15 on this one. And we similarly put Joe because we, we had that J sound in our mind, but we're not sure. Jeff, since this is one of your favorite songs, do you know the answer? Oh, no, I, I, I don't. I don't love this song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nathan gets more points. It's John. Oh, John no. at the bar is a friend of mine. Yes. That was the only one I bet 20 on, though, so. All right. Question number two in New York City. The Empire State Building, MetLife Building, Woolworth Building, Chrysler Buildings in New York City each have their own what, making deliveries to the many businesses inside easier for the USPS. Nathan, what'd you get for this one? And what did you bet? The rest of my wagers are all in Oakland Five. Um, I didn't know. I heard one of their answers. I liked it a lot better. I just guessed they each had their own individual post office. Nice. Each have their own post office and triviality. We wagered 15, and I'm pretty certain they all have their own zip code. That is correct. They all have their own zip codes. Very good. Yeah, that's determined by the size of mail received, not actually area. Mm. So that's how they determined that. Very good. All right. Question number three, what's in a name? Uh, What is the English translation of San Diego? And it has nothing to do with whale vaginas. Nathan, what did you get for this one? Well, the other day in the crop, I actually posted a question about um, asking about if there was like a patron saint of trivia. And I've been doing a lot of research on saints. And I remember seeing a saint's name that was the patron saint of San Diego. And I think it's Saint, and I might be saying it wrong. I can try spelling it too, but I think it's Saint Didicus. The name after Saint Didicus, yes. Okay, that would have something to do with whale vaginas and triviality. And we just said Saint Diego, because Diego's the name. Yeah. So there is no St. Diego, as far as I know, but this is a bastardization that has happened over time. So the first person to land there came from Santiago, which Mm. is named for St. James. So over Mm. time, the T slowly became a D. So originally it was Santiago, and now it's St. Diego. All right. So we're out 15 points on that one. Yeah. All right. Question number four. Invented by Robert Murch and uh, Helen Peters, a medium in the early 1900s, helped to name the Ouija board. Said to mean good luck. How did the Ouija board get its name, Nathan? I had no idea. Um, the more I learn about things and how bad things are, how racist and things are. And so I put the name was probably stolen from indigenous peoples. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> probably likely. Very nice. Good. <laughs> and triviality. We wagered uh, 15 again, and uh, we weren't too sure. We threw around the idea that maybe they just used the board and they got O-U-I-J-A, but we thought, you know, taking the French we and the J-A for ya or some sort, we said that uh, they took two forms of yes in a different language and just put them together. I believe that would be German, Neil. Mm. (laughs) Very good. Reasoned out. So this is one of my favorite trivia questions of all time. The Ouija board got its name because they asked it. Oh. <laughs> they said, what would you like to be called? And it spelled out Ouija. And mm. then she asked, all oh, right. And what does that mean? And so people have thought that maybe it didn't mean that's what Ouija meant. But now good luck now that you know my name. Mm-hmm. So very interesting, I think. All right. And our final question here in the House of Blue Leaves. 
What movie release happened six months after the first episode of Triviality was being recorded, which inspired one of the final questions? Nathan? I went through the previous questions, and I'm thinking, what would be a good movie to make about it? And I went, John, Post Office, Site, Didicus, who might not exist even, um, and Indigenous People, uh, then the, the Ouija board. And I thought, maybe there was a movie called Ouija Board or Ouija, so I put down Ouija um, for that one. Okay. Never heard of it, though. Okay. And Triviality? So we thought we knew ourselves well, so we bet 20 on this one. Um and we considered the movie Ouija, but we didn't really have a accurate timeline on when that came out. It's also a little obscure. So we just went with Coco because we think uh, timeline lines up. All right. Very good. So as I believe it, sorry if I get some of these uh, words wrong, audience out there. But the question asked as the one of the last questions on the first episode of Triviality was, what is the event that is the end of Asgard? And the answer was Ragnarok. Oh. And then you all started talking about the fact that Thor Ragnarok would be coming out a couple of months later. We need to so re-listen to our Thor catalog Ragnarok. there. <laughs> all right. So based on the answers in that last round and the bets, what do we have as our final score? I believe we received a five-point palm exploding heart technique on that oh. final round. <laughs> you got it. All right, it looks like after this game of death, uh, Triviality definitely is dead. Um, we ended the game with 34 points, but today's winner, uh, very um, worthy competitor and uh, victorious, is Nathan with 131 points. Fatality. Gonna happen. Wow. <laughs> the the loss category, especially the category with the um the Dharma stations, I think that was my saving grace by far. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what Dharma was hoping for, so I guess they yeah. saw their mission through to the end. Great job, oh. Nathan. Um, thank you for not only supporting us and choosing this game because it was a lot of fun. These are always a lot of fun, but thank you for uh spending time with us today and also uh just being a great competitor. Any Anyone you'd like to shout out? Anything you'd like to say before we let you go? Uh, just a, a very genuine and heartfelt thank you all for, uh, you know, it's been a tough year and a half of the pandemic and you guys keep coming out with um, things that keep people entertained and engaged when we can't go to pub trivia for a long time. So I know you got me through some pretty tough times in the last year. So just a genuine heartfelt thank you. And thanks to your support means a lot. Um, it's very helpful to us. And since you're the executive producer of this game, we'll be sending you the files to edit. Uh, make sure you bleep all the <laughs> in the boxes. <laughs> Amanda, excellent questions today. That was a lot of fun. Excellent costume and, and theme. Thank you for uh, playing along with us. I am so thrilled to be here. And um, I second everything Nathan said. Um, I love this show and I really appreciate how much you guys put into it. It really has meant a lot over this hard time. And uh, my only shout outs are to my amazing sister who helped me work out these questions. Um, and just two pieces of advice, uh, hire security at your wedding and don't let your kids work in ice cream shops. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for today. We want to thank uh, Nathan, especially for being the executive producer of this game of death. Amanda for hosting. For Matt, Jeff, Neil, and myself, that was Triviality back with the game of death.
It is true though. It's my gut microbiome. I don't want them. They just ask for it and I feed them. You're not even in control of your own body, Ken. I know. You're just a repository for bacteria. <laughs> You're a repository for bacteria. That's true friendship if I've ever seen yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs>